Welcome to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Parish in Berkeley. Today is Christmas Day, December 25th, 2023. We hear from the Reverend Emily Boring, Associate Rector, as she preaches on the Christmas 3 Gospel Lectionary, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. As always, you can learn more and find old sermon archives on our website, allsoulsparish.org. Some years ago, before I went to seminary, I taught marine ecology on a tiny remote island in the Bahamas. One night, long after dark, I slipped off the back of our research boat and swam past the harbor out to sea. I swam until I could no longer see lights or hear voices until the only sound was the slide of my arms in and out of the water and the kick of my feet. The sea was black and smooth, dark as obsidian. A half moon lit a path across the water, gleaming silver like the flank of a fish. For a moment, I shivered at my aloneness, wondered about sharks, jellyfish, (laughs) undertow. Did anyone know I was out here? But the water was calm and warm, and the night was mild, and I was not afraid. Eventually, I turned on my back and floated. Above me were stars, clear and sharp as pinpricks against the velvet blue sky. Below me, fluorescent plankton glowed and shimmered like tiny swimming constellations. My breath slowed, my limbs relaxed, and I surrendered, held by the bonds of hydrogen and oxygen, suspended between space above and depths below. After a while, something strange happened. The longer I floated, the less precisely I could tell where I ended and the ocean began. The warmth of the water seemed to match the warmth of my own skin. My chest rose and fell in rhythm with the swells. 60% of the human body is water, and suddenly the boundary blurred between me and not me, between the great sea outside and the tiny seas in each of my own cells. It was as if all creation were one being. And I was part of that being, held in her womb. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. It's hard to know where to start a sermon about the prologue of John's gospel. This is poetry beautiful, rhythmic, story-like, and poems are hard to reduce or summarize. 
Poems awaken our senses, delivering a whole self experience. We're meant to savor and dwell in poems, not necessarily explain. Then there's the content of John's prologue. With no other preamble, in the opening paragraphs, John takes us straight to the deepest ontological mystery of the Christian faith. The Word and God are one being and distinct somehow. This word, this logos, is of God, yet the word and God were both present at the start of creation. Most importantly, the truth that all this text is building toward, the word became flesh and lived among us. God became incarnate. The divine came to us in human form. These are big claims, deep, Mysterious, confusing. In the words of Madeleine Langle, the incarnation is a glorious impossible. Like love, it cannot be explained. It can only be rejoiced in. I think that's partly what this prologue to John is meant to show us. Imagine that you're the writer of this gospel, someone in the earliest communities of Christians. You're trying to describe the incarnation, to bear witness somehow to this event and its importance. In the first century Mediterranean, the idea of God in flesh was unprecedented. Theologically and philosophically, the union of the divine and the human was even more radical, perhaps, than it is to us today. Yet John's community had inherited stories about the life of God incarnate, extraordinary stories about this person, Jesus, whose earthly ministry redefined all that we know of grace, truth, justice, and love. These events demanded sharing, witnessing, and the old language wasn't adequate. So these early Christians grasped for new language to ask new questions. How does the story of Christ align with or overturn our cultural stories, our religious and philosophical paradigms? What exactly is the relationship between Christ and the Creator, between God the Father and Jesus who walked on this earth? What does the incarnation mean for our world, our communities, our own inner lives? Each of the Gospels engages these questions, and each offers a slightly different tone of answer. Matthew begins with a genealogy, a line of human ancestry reaching all the way back to Abraham. Mark begins with a pronouncement the beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and he roots the coming of Christ in the prophecies of Isaiah. Luke tells a story of particulars, in those days, in that region, constructing vivid scenes of the people and places, often on the margins, to whom Christ came. John's Gospel is different. John places the incarnation not in chronological time, but in creation time. 
the language that John reaches for is cosmic, words that hearken all the way back to the start of Genesis. The incarnation, John tells us, is not just an event in history. The incarnation is also the culmination of a pattern embedded in the cosmos since before time. Christ is the primordial logos, the partner in creation, the word through which all things came to be. What does this mean? How does John's cosmic timescale and poetic language change how we understand and celebrate the birth of Christ today? There are many answers, and it would take a whole gospel to unpack them. But for now, I want to offer just three invitations that I see in John's prologue, three ideas we might find if we look at the incarnation through his lens. First, to grasp the significance of the incarnation, we must look to the vastness and power and abundance of all creation. This vastness and power and abundance is embodied and experiential, something we feel in our flesh more than we grasp in our minds. Is there a time in your life when you felt a wholeness and vastness that words couldn't capture? Maybe you lay on your back in a field as a child, stargazing, and you felt yourself a tiny speck in a swirling cosmos. Maybe you watched the sun rise pink and pale over a hilltop and marveled at the improbability that the sun is just close enough, just bright enough, just warm enough to sustain life on Earth. Maybe you looked at a leaf between, beneath a microscope, saw the chloroplasts zooming like tiny green ants around the cell walls, turning light into life. In moments like these, we're aware of both vastness and intimacy, the infinite and the particular. We realize that creation is a whole, and we're parts, cells, you might say, of one great life. Second, though the word was present from the dawn of creation, we have responsibility for recognizing it, uplifting it, sharing the light of Christ with our human world. Halfway through this passage, John's poetic language turns toward tension. The light of Christ shines, but the light is described in contrast with the darkness, foreshadowing struggle and resistance. The word was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. Like the John in this passage, the character, not the gospel writer, we are actors in a cosmic story. This passage has an ethical, not merely descriptive tone. Are our actions increasing justice, peace, and love for our neighbors? Are we embodying the abundance generosity, and truth of this word. Finally, I believe that John wants us to celebrate. 
we often think about the incarnation as a kind of emptying. God humbles God's self by coming to us as an infant in a manger. Though he was in the form of God, he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. But the logos in John doesn't sound empty. This word made flesh isn't a hollow vessel. This logos is vital, dynamic. God in human form is full, fullness itself. We're often told to resist the excess of Christmas, to turn away from commercialization and spectacle, to return to the simple mystery at the heart of this day. But simplicity doesn't have to mean barrenness. We're allowed to feast, to glorify, to embrace the wonder and extravagance of the incarnation. So this Christmas day, open your eyes to the lights above you, around you, within you. Give generously to yourself and others. Allow yourself to swim in the abundance of God made flesh.